friends, welcome to the Sunday Sermon segment of We Need God. Please listen as Father Carrozza offers his homily for today, which was recorded live in St. Anne's Parish. There aren't too many things that we can look at as saying that are blessings that have come to us with the COVID. But one thing some people have pointed out is that through the midst of everything we've had to do, many people have rediscovered the importance of family, of being together with our loved ones, especially during uh, the lockdown periods and we had people we could not visit. All of a sudden, we started realizing how important our family members are. And to borrow a cliche, spending quality time with our family became something that people were talking about. And I even noticed, or if you noticed as well, on Thanksgiving Day, the stores remained closed this year. And while some of them, no doubt, it was simply a matter of practicality that they said, well, who's going to come out in the COVID anyway on Thanksgiving Day? Is it worth it to keep the, the uh, business open? Nevertheless, there were some who came out and said, it's important for us to spend time with our family. And so we'll be closed on Thanksgiving Day, spending time with our family and encouraging you to be with yours. And they said, we don't have to be shopping every day of the year. And that was a hope-filled sign that if we got one good thing out of this COVID, it was to not forget the importance of our families. And today's feast precisely reminds us of that, the importance of our families. And you don't need me to tell you that, especially those of you who are raising children, that there are so many things out there that we're afraid of for our children. There was a time when all of the you know, mores of society and everything that was taught to children, wherever it may be, reinforced everything we try to teach our children with Christian values at home. And so those boundaries were there to help assist us in raising the children. So if you taught them the good faith at home, you know, there wasn't too many things outside that were going to lead them astray from that. But you know very well that times have changed, and that indeed is not the case anymore. And in fact, there are many things going on that we worry about. I know, I remember my father saying to me, when my nieces and my nephew were young, he goes, I worry about what world we're leaving these children. What are they going to grow up with? Thankfully, they've grown up fine, and the morals that my brothers have taught their children at home have gone with them, as have many families I see here in St. Anne's. So it is certainly able to be done, but we know that there are a lot of pressures out there, and a lot of things we can worry about, you know, that are being taught to children and to our young people out there. The schools, you know, many of the public schools are completely teaching things that contradict our values, and our values are often seen as archaic, like they don't matter anymore. I remember one parishioner telling me once how he says, Father, he says, every year, he says, I seem to feel more and more a stranger in the world, like I just don't belong, that all of our moral beliefs are considered archaic by the rest of the world and even laughable, and that they almost have to heal us from what we taught and what we believe. And in some ways, we can always expect that to be the case because Jesus said that would be, that the world would hate us for loving him because the world is set on its ways and it doesn't always want to hear the voice of Jesus calling people to live a different type of life. But our own time is unprecedented in the things that are out there, not only in public schools, but sadly even some of our Catholic high schools and colleges where parents who are concerned about their children keeping and being taught the Catholic faith 
to send their children to Catholic colleges only to discover they're Catholic in name only. And that is every, and it seems the kids come home and say, you know, this school claims to be Catholic, yet everything they're teaching in the classrooms and in all the social groups they have is everything that contradicts our beliefs. And one good thing that has come from that is a rise of some Catholic universities that have decided to remain faithful to the magisterium and publicly advertise that. And that's, they're becoming very popular, very well accredited schools. And so they're kind of uh, misproving or disproving, shall I say, uh, for the better word, the idea that some of the colleges had when Pope Benedict XVI uh, issued a decree ex cordia ecclesiae, saying that all colleges and schools that call themselves Catholic must sign a document adhering to the Catholic faith. Many of them thought that, oh, that's going to destroy, destroy our credibility. Well, here are these other colleges who are being faithful to the, to the teachings of the church, and they're being held as very credible. Sadly, there aren't really too many in our area, and our children need to go out of state to find them, but they're growing. And hopefully by the time our little ones are older, there will be a lot more of them. And maybe we can recover being the place, the, the Catholic universities and high schools, the place where the faith is indeed taught to our children. Because Lord knows we need it. If we leave our children to what the world is teaching and we don't teach them well at home, well, they're going to be doomed, to be honest with you. I don't want to sound like a doomsday prophet, but you know, things will not be the way we want them to be. And we can then, when that happens, very much fear about what will happen to our children and our grandchildren. Some of you are to the point of raising grandchildren now. But there is hope. As I've mentioned that there are many families, even here at St. Anne's I've seen, who have been able to show their children the, the faith and teach them in it, and they're able to live it out. And they show us it can be done, so it's not hopeless. It just means that families all the more have to make sure we spend time with them and teaching our children the values that matter, so that when they go out into the world, they will take it with them. And the things that they will come across all the temptations to abandon them will not be part of their lives. Of course, we've seen you know, recently in the world how the very identity of a family has been changed. And the Supreme Court did that in one fell swoop by redefining marriage. Actually, I would say by undefining marriage. You notice through all of the rulings in the Supreme Court a few years back that legalized you know, same-sex marriage and now is spreading to other types of marriage, they never in fact defined what a marriage is. And they didn't realize that the marriage is the backbone of the family. Not strong marriages make strong families. And the family is the backbone of society. Redefine marriage and you redefine society. And that's exactly what we've seen happening in our world. What we call a family is completely changing. It's no longer the traditional image of a mother and father and their children together. But all sorts of other alternate things are being considered legitimate families just like everything else. And in discussing uh, the definition of marriage, the Supreme Court, for the first time, took the role of marriage uh, away from being a place where children are raised and turned it onto the feeling of romance between the couple. That marriage is predominantly about two people, or even more now as they're looking at loving one another. And if it's only about love between two people, it begs the question, well then why do they need a license? Why do we have to have a license to marry. You don't need a license to tell somebody you love them. That can be done very easily. So just to love somebody else? No, we don't need a license for that. But to begin a family and raise children, yes. And society has always 
seeing the importance of legislating and guiding and governing what makes a family because for the sake of the children that are raised in that family. And everybody, anybody worth his salt knows that a child is best raised at home with his mother and father in a single and loving relationship for the duration of their lives. That is the ideal. Some cannot come close to that, but if we can get the next best thing, okay. But certainly society has a, re a duty and a responsibility to re-investigate the whole, all the decisions that it has made and once again restore the family to what it's meant to be, a mother, a father, and children, and the love of all for each other, just like the Holy Family of Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. And so there are many different things that we can do, thankfully, that will help increase the strength of our families. But one that has been lost in our world that uh, I lament, and Pope Benedict XVI even wrote a document lamenting, is the loss of Sunday as a day of rest. What a difference that has made in our families. I remember when I was a boy, and many of you when you were children know, there was nothing open on Sundays. Sunday was the day where you rested. You went to church in the morning, you could buy a few little things, you could buy stuff for Nagbasto, or we would go to the uh, bakery and pick up some donuts and bring them home. And then the family spent time together. Even if we just watched TV together, we would play a game, whatever it may be, the family was together on Sunday. So we had the other six days of the week for doing all of our work and all of our activities. And Sunday, we worshiped God and we spent together as a family. And all of that changed in one moment when the blue laws changed. When the stores were no longer restricted from being open on Sunday, and now it wasn't simply a matter of necessary things such as food for dinner, but you could buy anything you want. And it would be one thing if we said people were going shopping just for things they needed for their daily meals or whatever, but you realize now Sunday has become the biggest shopping day of the week. You can't get near a parking space near a mall on a Sunday, whereas other days of the week it's perfectly easy. Why do we feel that the only thing we're able to do with our lives is shop? Are we that addicted with consumerism that we don't know what to do with our time on Sunday but to shop? Can we not take one day and spend it worshiping God and spending time with our families? And of course that has made an effect upon both of them because after that then Little League games and all sorts of things started happening on Sunday mornings that never happened when I was a kid. And people are having birthday parties for the children with sleepovers on a Saturday night into Sunday. And then parents say, well, I couldn't bring my kids to church because, you know, their kids had to go to a sleepover and that family doesn't go to church. Well, how about saying to them, no, we can't go because we go to church. Or bring the children on Saturday night before they, they go on a sleepover, if that's the way it's going to be. And then it affects even you know, people who are busy with everything they're doing in their lives. Sunday, in addition to shopping, has become the day we get all of our chores done or bring home extra work from the office to catch up on it. And we find ourselves being busy and busy and busy and don't have time to worship God or spend with our families. And even if we might be out doing things with the kids, it's not necessarily the quality time that we know we need with them. And in fact, I remember once, uh, a boy in one parish I was in where we used to have the Sunday evening mass in that parish. And his mother would have been the first time to stand up and defend the faith in God and all that. And we've got to follow the Lord first and everything, you know, wonderful. The boy missed his mass. 
And I asked him the next day in school, gee, you missed mass last night, where were you? And he says, oh, he goes, well, my mother had to go out and shop for a sofa, and she didn't get back in time to take me to mass. So was that an emergency sofa that, that couldn't wait until Monday night? She had to go out and buy a sofa on Sunday afternoon, and then her children missed going to mass because she didn't get back in time and see how one affects the other. In another parish where I was stationed, we always wondered every fall, where are the children? We wouldn't see them until a certain Sunday in November, all of a sudden we would see all the kids again. And that's because the local football league was over now. And so they would bring the kids back to mass. And some parents would even brag about it and say, well, yeah, now that football's over, we can bring the kids back to church. Well, what message did you just then teach your children? That football is more important than God. We worship God when we have nothing else going on, when our schedules make time for Him. How many times do I hear kids say that? Oh, I just don't. We would never have time in our lives to go to church on Sunday. What a sad thing to say. And so the church demands that we rest on Sunday, commands it of that. When did we get that command? It was the third commandment from the Lord to Moses. And notice I always say God didn't call them ten suggestions, right? He called them ten commandments that we don't have any, any option as to whether or not we want to follow it. But when did he give it to the people of Israel? Right after the Exodus. They had just been slaves in Egypt, and the Lord freed them and brought them through the Red Sea, destroyed Pharaoh's army in the Red Sea, and once they realized that Pharaoh's army was completely destroyed, they realized they were no longer slaves, now they were free. Now they were a people. And the Lord brought them from there right to the mountain where they received the Ten Commandments. And why was one of those commandments, remember the Lord's day to keep it holy? Why did he command it of them? Simply because they could do it. A slave cannot take a day off. A slave has to work seven days a week at the bidding of its master. And so the Lord commanded the people through Moses and the Ten Commandments, you work six days of the week, work very hard, do everything you do, but take one day, the Lord's day, to worship me and rest and spend time with your families. This proves that you don't serve your work, your work serves you. And you're not living to work, you're working to provide for your family. You're working to live together as a family, bringing your children to God and, <clears throat> uh, and together to each other. And sometimes when I mention that to people, I say, so if we can't, if we say, well, you know, we, we're just too busy on Sunday, and some people said, Father, well, you know, it sounds nice to say, but you don't realize what it's like in a family. I just can't rest on Sunday. I have too much to do. I, it's the only time I have to get my chores done or this and that. What a sad commentary on our time that the church has to command people to rest and we say we're just too busy to rest. If we cannot take Sunday as a day of rest, then what has happened? We've become slaves again. And we are serving our work. And we are not free. We are not people who are working to live. We're living to work. And if we're too busy to worship God and spend time with our family on Sunday, well, then we're just too busy, and something has to give. But it cannot be God, and it cannot be our families. No, that's the whole reason we exist. The whole purpose for those of you who are married is to together teach your children to love God and raise Him according to the way God would have you do, as St. Paul tells us in the letter to the Ephesians. 
And so we can't sacrifice that just for the sake of getting the laundry done or whatever it may be. No, all the more we need to rediscover Sunday as a day of rest, not make it a day of shopping, not making it a day of the law of um, catching up on our errands, but a day where we worship the Lord and spend time together as a family. And if we can do that, I guarantee that our children will have a greater bond with their parents. So many kids today who will lament that they never get to see their parents because they're out working several jobs and they don't see them and they have very little time to spend. I remember this one girl once seeing, she was in high school and she said her father didn't even know what grade she was in. You know, what a sad thing that is. With everything in the world around us and the situation where the world is seeing our Christian values as archaic, even hostile to healthiness, that we need all the more to reinstill them in our children. And for those of you who are well, at the point now of having grandchildren, well, instilling it in them. And as grandchildren, you, uh, grandparents, you do have the right to still teach your grandchildren. In fact, all the more so if your children are not giving uh, your grandchildren the education that you know they want them to have, the values and the morals, well, then you teach it to them. You have the right to that as their grandparents. And you might even discover that your grandchildren will listen to you a lot more than they'll listen to their children, to their parents, because they may rebel against their parents, but they don't normally rebel against their grandparents. You're the spoilers, so you spoil them by teaching them the faith. But in all things that we do, remembering the Lord came into a human family to bless the family and make it the place where we learn more than any place else on the face of the earth. Families are the first school of any child, and children learn more from their parents than they will learn from anyone else they meet the rest of their lives. Give them a firm foundation in what we believe, and that will strengthen them to go out into the world, and when they meet up with the hostile, hostile voices and the opinions that contradict our own, they won't fall to them, but they'll say, no, that's wrong. My parents taught me better than that, and the faith that we want them to have will go with them. And remember also to pray for the intercession of the Holy Family, asking Mary, Joseph, and of course, our Lord, to pray for us in these difficult days where there's so many things out there that would contradict what we want to teach our children, to help us to teach them properly so that they will go out and not only be not affected by the negative things in the world, but maybe even be the instruments of change to bring the world back to our traditional values, back to the sanity that comes from God that comes from what he came to teach us, that we learn best in the Holy Family, in, my, in our families, and may we always model our family on the image of the Holy Family, of Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. May Jesus Christ be praised. Thank you for listening to this week's homily by Father Carrozza. If you enjoyed this homily, please pass the word on to your friends and invite them to listen. For more materials from Father Carosa, please visit www.fathercarosa.com.